Yeah, let's turn back there to Second Peter two. I mean, Second uh, Peter one. In uh, in the passage I read to you in Second Peter one through four, and then in the passage Brother Ravi read in First Peter, there's one word that occurred multiple times in those verses. That word is going to be the title for our message, and that word is precious. Precious. When Scripture speaks about something being precious, it means that it's more valuable than anything in this world. It can't be compared to anything in this world for value. It's rare. It's rare. The more rare, the more precious. The Spirit of God declares there are some things that are precious to the sinner who God saves. There are some things that are precious to the sinner God saves. They're more valuable than anything in this world. They're valuable to us because they are extremely rare. Very few sinners have these precious things. They're rare, rare, rare things. And They're precious to the believer in proportion to how undeserving we see ourselves. The more undeserving we see ourselves, the more precious these things will be to us. The more sinful we see ourselves, the more undeserving we see ourselves. And the more undeserving we see ourselves, the more precious these things will be to us. So that... It makes us, it constrains us to not let anything come between us and these things because we have to have these precious things. We have to have them. Now, I'm not going to give these in any particular order, but I have three things that believers are given by God that are precious to the believer. The first thing is faith. The first thing is faith. Peter writes, Simon Peter, verse 1, 2 Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Faith is precious to God's child because it is so very rare. It is a rare thing to find someone who has true faith. Very, very few people in this world, very few, are given faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus said that. He said, wide is the gate, broad is the way, and many there be that go in thereat. And he said, but straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and there's few, very few, that find it. Very few. Many claim to believe on Christ. Many make him make, make a profession of faith in Christ, but when you ask them who he is, what he accomplished, where he is now, why he did what he did, what he's doing now, what he shall do, when you ask these things, you find out very few believe the true Christ. Very few believe the true Christ. Many profess to believe on him, but they speak of salvation in the past tense. You talk to somebody and ask, do they believe on the Lord? And they'll say something to the effect of, yeah, I got saved so and so many years ago. I got saved back in uh, 2010. 
And they, they'll say things like, I believed on Christ. And they'll refer back to when they walked an aisle or when they prayed through or when they were baptized or when they did something whereby they made a profession. It's always in the past tense. Now, there is a sense in which Christ saved us in the past tense. We saw that Sunday in Colossians 1.12, we give thanks to the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Past tense, he hath done that. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness. He hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There is a sense in which God's people are saved in the past tense. But from our viewpoint, Scripture speaks of faith as continual. It speaks of faith as, as believers continually coming to Christ, continually being saved by Christ. Scripture that Brother Ravi read, First Peter, Peter said, To whom coming as unto a living stone, we never stop coming to Christ. Luke 9.23, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. We're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Now, Scripture speaks about many who began in the faith or, or appeared to begin in the faith, but then they proved they never really were called by the Lord, never really were called by the Spirit of God. You've got Simon Magus. You've got Ananias and Sapphira. You've got uh, uh, Demas. You've got Hymenaeus and Alexander the coppersmith. You've got many, many more in Scripture. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe or has God made him to you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption? Do you believe God when he says in his word that you are complete in Christ? Do you believe that, that, that he will keep you and already in Christ, but Christ abiding in you, he's made you meet, fit right now to enter into God's holy presence? And do you believe that, that uh, you, he's going to help you, keep you continuing steadfast to the end, trusting him, and you're entirely trusting him to do so. Or you believe in him today to save you. As Paul said, we believe he delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, and we believe that he shall yet deliver us. This is what faith, faith trusting him, trusting everything into his hand. Now, if you do, if you do trust Christ, how did you obtain this thing that Peter calls like precious faith? How did you obtain it? He said it's obtained. You obtained like precious faith. Well, everybody that's been given true faith will tell you we did not obtain this faith by our merit. We didn't merit this. We didn't obtain it by our works. We didn't obtain it by our decision for Christ. We obtained it the same way we obtained grace and mercy from God. It was given freely to us as a gift of God. That's how we obtained it. That's what true faith is going to confess. On one occasion, 
the Lord Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter answered, he said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias. Others, you're Jeremiah. Others are, are one of the prophets. There's few that believe on Christ. He said, there's a lot of talk going around, and people say this and that and the other thing. But then the Lord asked him this, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what other men say. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is what the Lord Jesus said to him. How did you obtain this like precious faith? This is what the Lord Jesus said to him. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonas, for flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. That's how you obtain this faith. It was Christ was revealed in you by the Spirit of God. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And brethren, faith is precious. Faith is absolutely precious. Peter said that God-given faith is more precious than gold that perishes. He said that in 1 Peter 1.7. He said faith is more precious than gold that perishes. If somebody gave you an offer and they said, I'll give you this huge, astounding amount of gold, but you've got to stop believing on Christ. You've got to forsake the gospel. You've got to forsake your brethren. You've got to forsake Christ. Is Christ more precious to you than that gold? Faith in the Lord Jesus is more precious than gold. Faith is given to only a very small remnant at any given point in time. You read these scriptures and it talks about God saving a remnant. And time and again throughout the scriptures in different times in, in the history of this world, you find men saying, if God had not been gracious to us, and reserved a very small remnant, we'd have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. He saves remnants. He saves a very small remnant. That's why faith is a precious, precious thing. If you've obtained faith to look to Christ alone and trust Christ alone, then just like the Lord told Peter, you're blessed. Flesh and blood did not reveal it to you. God the Father revealed Christ to you. You're blessed of God if you have this precious faith. And God's people know this. You know how precious faith is. It's a precious thing to have faith in the Lord Jesus. And secondly, faith is precious because of its object. Go with me now to, uh, well, read there in 2 Peter 1. And I want you to see, here's how we obtained it. And here's the object of our faith. This is how we obtained faith, and this is the object of faith. Look there, he said to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's how we obtained it, through the righteousness of God our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Go over with me to 1 Peter 1 and look at verse 18. 1 Peter 1, 18. For as much as you know, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious 
blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, that gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Now, did you see there? Faith is through Christ, and faith is to Christ. Faith is precious because it's given us through the righteousness of Christ. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter. This faith was given us through the righteousness of God our Savior. Now, what does that mean? Well, God the Father elected the people in Christ, and Christ came forth and and redeemed us and made us the righteousness of God in Him. That's why God gave you faith. He gave you faith through the righteousness of Christ because Christ redeemed you. That's what, that's what Paul said over there in uh, Titus chapter 3. He says, it's not by works of righteousness we've done, but, but by the Holy Spirit he washed us in regeneration and he did it through the righteousness of Christ because Christ has made us righteous. He made us heirs of God by his shed blood so that it was the just and right thing for God to do to give you faith. It was the only just and right thing to do because Christ put you sin away. And then when he's given you this faith, the blood of Christ becomes precious. Because you see, the only, only reason you have faith is because the blood of Christ redeemed you and made you righteous. And that's why God gave you faith. This is what is so disrespectful. When men talk about believing by their will and by their decision for Christ, because they are, there's, no, there's no preciousness there in their heart for the blood of Christ. What we're preaching is this thing was done by God choosing us, by Christ redeeming us, and therefore God gave you faith. The Spirit of God regenerated you and gave you faith. And that's why you see His blood as precious. Because you were given life because of his precious blood. You were given faith because of his precious blood. You don't hear that in men who claim to have come to God by their own will and their own works. They're boasting in themselves. His blood's not precious. But the Lord Jesus, when he gives you faith... Christ's blood becomes precious because Christ becomes your righteousness. You see, the only way you've been made righteous is by the Lord Jesus. And his blood becomes precious to you. It's through Christ and it's to Christ. It's through Christ that we're given this faith by his righteousness. And when we're given the faith, it's to rest in his righteousness. Therefore, to you who believe, Christ's blood is precious. Why is his blood precious to you? Well, the wages of sin is death. And we all sin. That means we're going to have to die under the justice of God. Everybody, there is not a person, not a child born of Adam that is going to escape being executed under the justice and wrath of God because of their sin. Not a one. Because God's holy and just. Not a one. Well, life is in the blood. There's no remission, no remitting our sins except through the blood. Without death, there's no remission of sin. And Christ, who knew no sin, this is why his blood's precious. Christ, who knew no sin, 
willingly, the spotless Lamb of God willingly gave himself to be made sin for us that God might be just to pour out wrath on him. God will not condemn one who, who sins not, not upon him. And so he willingly bore our sin that God might be just to make him a curse and pour out wrath on him that God might be just in justifying all his elect. Now in Christ we're made the righteousness of God because he took our place. Only Christ made truth and mercy meet in harmony. A man can't do that. Only Christ made truth and mercy meet in harmony. Only Christ made justice and mercy meet together and kiss. Only the Lord Jesus could do that. Righteousness is through Christ's blood. That's the message of the entire book. That, that, you know, people will say, why do you preach the blood of Christ? Why do you preach this same thing every time you preach? That, this is the message. Redemption by the blood of Christ. Righteousness through the blood and merit of Christ. This is the message. This is why God made the world. This is why God, God gave all the Old Testament law and sacrifices. This is why God ordered and directed men's lives to show pictures of this throughout men's lives throughout history. This is why he directed whole countries. 200 years before it happened, God told Israel, you're going to go into bondage. And he said, and then I'm going to raise up a man that don't even know me. And I'm going to call him, and he's going to come from a far country, and he's going to redeem you out of bondage. Speaking of Cyrus. And he said, this man won't even know me. He won't even know what I'm doing. But he did it all to picture the Lord Jesus Christ, who came from a far country, redeemed his people through his precious blood. God has moved whole nations and did things with whole nations to Give us pictures and, and shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ that we might see Christ's glory. That's why we preach this. It's the message of the whole book. God told Moses, when those serpents were biting the children of Israel, God told Moses, you make a brass serpent. You make the very thing that's killing them and lift it up on a pole. And he told the children of Israel, don't you try to do anything to save yourselves from these serpents. You just look to that brass serpent. Well, Christ Jesus came into this world made of a woman, made under the law, just like he, the brethren he came to save because sin was killing us. And so he went to the cross, he was, was made sin for us and lifted up on that pole. And the message of this book is, don't you try to save yourself. You look to Christ and you trust him to save you. That's the message of the book. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Christ said, Even so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, Look unto me and be ye saved. Does that just mean way back yonder? That's, you know, we're going to talk about faith in the past tense. Well, I did that back yonder when I made a profession. That means today look to Christ and you'll be saved. Sarah, you need to be saved from that broke leg you got? Look to Christ. He'll, he'll get you through that. I'm serious. I'm, dead. I'm that serious. It, everything you have a problem with in your life, you look to Christ and trust Christ, and he'll save you. God-given faith is the look whereby we believe unto righteousness. 
This is why it's called like precious faith. It might be great faith in some and small faith in others, but here's what makes it like precious faith. Each sinner God chose that Christ redeemed are given faith through Christ's righteousness. That's the same in every one of God's people. And the same Holy Spirit gives it, and each believer is given faith in the same object, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what do we all alike confess? You know what we're confessing by faith? If we really believe Christ, what we're confessing is we do not have a righteousness and we cannot produce a righteousness. We cannot make ourselves accepted of God. We cannot do it. I'm so tired of this new phrase that everybody's using. That's unacceptable. You know how proud and arrogant it is for one unacceptable sinner to say to another sinner, that's unacceptable. None of us are accepted before God if it was left to us. By faith, we confess we're grass. We are only sinners, and all we can produce is sin. That's saying, I can't produce a righteousness. Why? Because sin's mixed with everything I try to do. We're saved entirely by the Lord Jesus Christ, our righteousness, apart from any merit or works in us. That's why we preach so much on the blood. Because his blood's precious to us. I preach it because his blood's precious to me. His, he's my righteousness. He's my light. And to you that I'm declaring this to, who have like precious faith, his blood's precious to you. It's what we want to hear. This is our gospel. This is our life. It's Christ's blood that cleanseth us from all sin. He entered into God's presence with his own blood. Our conscience is purged by, by the God sprinkling the blood of Christ and continues to be purged by, by the Spirit per, sprinkling the blood of Christ, pointing us to Christ, showing us that he's our righteousness. His blood is, is continually cleansing us from all sin. And what did God say? He said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Christ gave us his table. Why? To remember his blood. He said this is the New Testament. The wine represents the New Testament, the covenant of grace written in my blood by me laying down my life for you. That's, that, oh, we love the blood. <laughs> when you're in the world and you meet professing believers who don't want to hear of Christ's blood, then you know they don't have the light, precious faith that Peter's talking about. Because those that have it, they, want, they, they know that that faith they have is precious and they know Christ's blood is precious. Be sure to understand this now. Now here's where we get to the point of the message. It's through the preaching of the gospel of Christ's blood and Christ's righteousness that we were quickened by the Spirit by God's divine power and given faith in the Lord Jesus. Through this gospel message of Christ and him crucified is how we were given this gospel, given this faith, and all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's how he's going to grow us. It's how we were given faith in Christ. It's how we were given love for one another and love for Christ. And it's how we were purified, made, given a pure heart within, as Peter said there in 1 Peter, the rest of that chapter in chapter 1. So this is how he's going to grow us. He did, it, this, he did this by the incorruptible seed through the gospel that's preached to you. And so when you have this 
precious faith and you made to see this precious blood and it was given you through the preaching of Christ and him crucified, then the gospel becomes precious to you. And so we're going to be continually, we're taught to, to put off everything and put it away to be at peace with one another so we can have this gospel so that we can grow by the Spirit of God. Look here now, 1 Peter 1, 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And you, this is, this is the life, brethren, because all flesh is grass. All the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. Our flesh is dying every day. It's nothing good in the flesh. The flesh profits nothing, Christ said. And usually when we have problems, this is what we're trying to protect is our flesh. And it's fading. It's perishing. The grass, whether the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. And that right there, brethren, is something we're going to be doing all the rest of our days as sanctified, holy children of God. Because we have a sin nature. That's not something you do and you get that over with either. That's something you're going to be doing the rest of your days is laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. Why? Why do you do this? Because as newborn babes, you desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you've tasted the Lord is gracious. Now, if this faith is so precious that I wouldn't trade gold for it, if the blood of Christ is so precious I wouldn't trade gold for it, and am am I going to trade my flesh for it? And am I going to insist on my way and trade having my way for it? Or am I going to put it all aside and forgive and be at peace with my brethren and say, we got to all put this away and look to Christ because we need to grow by this gospel. This gospel is more important than anything else we have. At some point, that's what we have to do. And here's, here's what he said, to whom coming? We're coming to Christ. He's, he's saving through this means. This is the only means by which he saves is the gospel. And we're coming to Christ, and he's drawing you to him, just like he drew you the first hour through this gospel. He's drawing you tonight through this gospel, and he's going to keep drawing his people to him through the preaching of this word till he draws us into his holy presence. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious precious to God. He's precious to God. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That's where you need to be worried about this thing of being acceptable. Am I acceptable to God? Is what I'm doing acceptable to God? There's only one way it is. That's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's accepted. If we're going to be acceptable to God, it's got to be in Christ. But we are, and all our sacrifices are, in Christ. Wherefore also it's contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you there which believe, he is 
precious. When he, when you have precious faith, and you have his blood is precious, and he himself is precious to you, brethren. You, you ready to sing from the heart what we just sang in that first song? Take the world, but give me Jesus. Nothing is worth parting over and missing out on him. Nothing. We're going to have to be laying aside these the sins of this flesh all our days, but we're made willing to do so that we might have the gospel, that we might grow thereby because of this like precious faith, this precious blood, because he is precious. In proportion, as we see our personal sinfulness and our undeservedness of all of this grace, that's how much we're going to value Christ and this gospel and these gifts he's given us. And in and in proportion as we see how fully Christ has met all of our needs through the preaching of the gospel, that's how valuable the preaching of the gospel is going to be to us too. Has he met your needs through the preaching of the gospel? He's met every need I have through the preaching of his word. Every need I have. And he's done that for you too if you have precious faith. And as in proportion as you see that, that's how you're going to see how valuable the preaching of this word is. God, so, he's so wise to save through this means. This is how he knits our hearts together in love because we got to have the gospel. we got to have Christ. And this is how he's growing us to see it more and more. And it's just amazing that he would put us together and work this in us and keep us together and keep showing you and me what he's doing and how he's saving and keeping us and growing us thereby. That's just amazing wisdom. You go home and read Ephesians 4 and you see how that this is a precious gift of God to give you preachers and to give you the gospel and to put you in a body with believers and to knit you together. And just like we saw Sunday, he's the head from whom all the nourishment is ministered. It's Christ doing it. I don't have any power to nourish anything to you. I couldn't even get this message without him giving it to me. I can't preach it without him giving me the strength to preach it. But I can't make it go into your heart. He's got to do that. It's all from him. It's all from him. And in proportion as we see him meet our need, that's how valuable this faith and his precious blood, yea, him, will be to us and this gospel. So nothing will be more valuable to you than this. And now lastly, go with me back over there to Second Peter one. God's promises to us are precious. God's promises are precious. He said there, you've obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And to you that have, he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's how grace and peace are going to be multiplied to you. That's how you're going to be grown in grace and in peace. It's going to be through the knowledge of God and learning more of Jesus our Lord. Now what? look what he says. According as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. What's he saying there? He's saying you'll be grown the same way you started. 
You'll be grown by the same power through the same gospel, just like you started by him giving you faith and, and calling you through this gospel. It was his divine power that did it. He did it through the knowledge of him that called you. And whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. God promises here through, through Peter, he's promising to grow his children in grace and to grow us in peace the same way he gave us life and faith to begin with. By his divine power, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through the preaching of this word. And we have these exceeding great and precious promises. By these promises, by this gospel, he came and created in you a new nature. Christ was formed in you and made you a partaker of the divine nature. That doesn't mean you became God. That doesn't mean you became little gods. That doesn't mean anything like what it means is you have a new holy nature where Christ abides in spirit so that you have fellowship with Christ Jesus the Lord. And that's unbreakable. It's never going to be separated. You're not going to be separated from him. You're a partaker now with the Lord Jesus in the new nature where you worship God. And by that, you have escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. He's made you to escape your own fleshly lust corruption. That's, that's has the whole world under its power. And he's done it through the preaching of the gospel, giving you a knowledge of Christ, calling you to glory and virtue. That's why we value the gospel so much. And we have, in this gospel, he's given us, constantly given us exceeding great and precious promises. And these promises are all yes and amen in Christ. That's what makes them so precious to us. And that's what makes him even more precious to us. Everything's in Christ. Now, what are some of these exceeding great and precious promises that are precious to us? He promises us, brethren, there is no more offering for sin. The Holy Ghost is a witness to us that where remission of our sins is, due to Christ perfecting us forever by his one offering, where the remission of our sins is, there is no more offering for sin. That's a promise from God. I will not remember their sins and iniquities anymore. I won't remember them. We have the promise that we're reconciled to God and we're going to be, we've been sanctified and we're going to be kept holy and we're going to be presented holy to God by Christ. He said that in Colossians 1.21. You that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. He's brought you into friendship with God. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. You see, it's going to be proven you're his if you continue trusting Christ, if you continue under the gospel of Christ, looking to Christ alone. And that's the promise. He's going to keep you sanctified, keep you holy, keep you unblameable, and present you so to the Father. 
In Christ we have the promise that he'll keep us and raise us up at the last day. He said in John 6.54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What happens after that? We have the promise of eternal inheritance. He said, If you're children, then you're heirs. You're heirs of God. And join heirs with Christ. I, I remember a, a boy that was close to my age. He's a little older than me. And his dad, I remember his dad had a giant home. And this boy was my age and driving a Porsche. And I can remember everybody talking about, oh, he's just going to, look at what he's going to inherit. And we all thought, man, that guy, that kid's set for life. Look what he's going to inherit. That's nothing. <laughs> Child of God, you're a joint heir with Christ. Everything, you're an heir of God. Everything is his. He's giving it freely to you. The sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. Our Savior promises we shall reign with Christ forever in eternity. He said in Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. You see what he's saying? The promise of it is, brethren, he shall save you from beginning to end. (laughs) Peter said, according as his divine power started this work in you, so... He's going to continue this work in you, and these are what makes his promises precious to us. Now, if you begin with giving this faith which is precious, such a rare thing, and Christ and his blood have been made precious to you, precious to you, and all these promises are precious to you, And you know that it's all given to you and it's grown through the preaching of the gospel of Christ and Him crucified. Then throughout our life, we're going to continue to lay aside all our fleshly lusts and our fleshly differences because we desire the sincere milk of the Word that we might grow thereby. Like a little baby Remember Christ said, except you become as little children. He, he said, he said uh, in wisdom and understanding, don't be children. We're going to grow. We're growing beyond being children in wisdom and understanding. But Peter said, put off malice and evil speaking and all these. He said, and in those things, be children. Be children. That's why Peter says, as, as newborn babies... Desire the sincere milk of the word. Put off that stuff and desire the sincere milk of the word. And that's what we're going to do if Christ and and his blood and his faith and all these promises is more precious to us than anything in this world. That's what we he'll he'll make you do that. He'll make you do that. Amen. All right, Brother Greg.